glad, glad to be worshiping with you today and enjoying uh, this beautiful day. And, and as we look at the scriptures today, I want to encourage you to follow along with us. We'll be in 2 Timothy. I'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, and we will begin in verse 14, although we're going to backtrack a little bit. Um, but the, the first verses we will read are 14 through 19. And I'm just going to jump straight into uh, this, these passages. Remind them of these things. This is Pastor Paul talking to Pastor Timothy. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their, their talk will spread like gangrene. Beautiful. Among them... <laughs> Naming names, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone whose name, who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Paul is writing to Timothy because there is trouble in the church. There is always trouble in the church. And as Paul is writing to Timothy, he's saying to him, basically, I know that there is squabbling and trouble and quarrels among you. And people are walking around saying, what are you talking about? You ever feel like that these days? What are you, what are you talking about? And so Paul is really starting out saying, I know that that's the attitude that's going on in the church right now. What are you talking about? But by the end of this, you'll know what you're talking about. You'll know what you're talking about. And so this is a word for us today. Let me read, read this, these first two verses. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. I'm going to be honest, as I'm reading that, I'm going, well, what else are you going to quarrel about? Quarrel about, you've got to have words. And this does no good, but it only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present, to, to present yourself to God as one approved. As, so you can stand before God as one who is approved, a worker who has no, who no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. There are two things here that in some ways seem to be I didn't know exactly how they started, how they worked together. The first is remind them of these things. And the second is to handle, rightly handle the word of truth. I'm going to start with the second one and get back to the first one. This word, rightly handle the word of truth, uh, is actually one word. It's, it's a bringing together the, of two ideas. One is to cut, and the other is straight or equal, to cut. Or, and, and the other is straight or even. 
And so those are the two ideas. So you put those two words together, and you get rightly handle the Word of God. We don't have cut straight. It wouldn't make sense, wouldn't it? Cut straight. But he's saying cut straight the Word of God. And so I began to think, like, what is that? And there are several ways we could maybe illustrate that. You could think of a farmer who's cutting rows. And if you, if you're, you know, as you're, driving, as you're driving down 105 and you're passing those, those corn rows and they're doing this as you go by, don't you love that? But if you went by them and they look like this, you know that's not a very good farmer, right? That, that person uh, is probably not going to have a very good yield. And we could apply it to uh, Anna and I have been putting in flooring, and we also know what it, it means to not cut straight. Uh, I blame it on the builder because they didn't get the angles correct. I'm sure, <laughs> sure that's the problem. And then I got to thinking about uh, Wendy. And so you know my wife is the woman of a hundred different skills. And so uh, she, I'm learning from her how to sew. Yeah. And so uh, we have a little, this is a dress for a doll or for a very, very small woman. Uh, and so what you do is you have a pattern you put on there, and then you pin them up. I actually had them pin them up for me, but that did, they didn't want to mess it up. So, uh, and then the idea is for you to cut straight, and we're going to see how well this works. Um, but as I'm cutting, I want to bring back to the first part of this message. The first part, he tells us, I want you to remember the things. I'll scoot back here. Remember the things that I have told you. And so the passage before this, in fact, one of you got on to me last week because we skipped that passage. You really wanted us to hit the rest of the passage. So be patient. Here we are. We won't forget uh, what was said in between. Paul begins speaking. uh, He he gives almost, they're almost like a creed or like doctrinal statements. And he says, now, right before this, in the verses before it, which uh, Bill read just earlier, he says, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. If you don't remember anything, remember Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead. He's born of King David. So what he's saying is he's really going to answer a question that we're about to have. There are people who are in the church who are saying the resurrection didn't happen. There is no resurrection. And so before he even addresses them, he says, look, I want you to get things straight here. And part of it is knowing what the truth is. And the truth is that Jesus Christ existed, that Jesus Christ is the son of David. That means that he was born in the flesh. He is a real person. He's not a mystical creature. He is a real person. He is born of King David. He is what was hoped for as Messiah. He is the the one that the Old Testament is looking forward to. This is Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. So you meatheads who are thinking there's no resurrection, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's what he's telling them. The meathead I put in there. And he said, this is the same gospel that I have preached to you. The gospel which now, because I'm preaching these things, I am suffering in prison. I am bound in prison. But I want to tell you this, the word of God is never bound. So he's saying this is really important work we're doing here because although they can put us in jail, (laughs) 
Uh, although we can suffer, the Word of God will not suffer. The Word of God will not be bound. It will continue to go forward. So, Timothy, the words that are being said are important. The things that people believe are important. It goes on to say, Therefore I endure all of these things for the sake of the elect. I'm doing all this. I'm willing to suffer like this because these words are important. They have their effect. And I'm, I'm willing to suffer like this for the cause of Christ, but for God's people. I'm not going to give up on this. I could renounce and walk out of jail, but I wouldn't want to do that because it would sacrifice you, the elect. So I'll continue to be faithful. I will, I will obtain the salvation that is in Christ, the eternal glory that is to come. And then he gives these several statements. He says, now, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. So he's saying, if you are a follower after him, the resurrection is true. I've already said that. That means it has its eternal consequences in you, that you will live on. So if we've lived with him, if we've followed him, we will die with him, and we will be resurrected with him. If we endure, Wendy's very nervous about how I'm doing over here. I think I'm doing okay, honey. We'll find out in just a minute. He goes on to say, if we endure with him, we will also then get to reign with him. You see, if you don't believe in a resurrection, where is the hope? Right? Where is, where is the joy? Where, where is the reason to endure if there is no resurrection? I need a little work on that one. All right. And finally, if we are, sorry, if we deny him, he will also deny us. And so we have those who are in the church, in this church, who have walked away from the things of God, who appeared at the first to be ardent followers, those who are going to help in the progress of the kingdom, but now they're, they're no longer a part. They have denied Christ. This is a, a path that they have taken. And finally he says, if we are faithless, he is still faithful. That's good news for you and me. And so he's, in these words, he's cutting the, around the pattern. He's saying, now, brother, brother Timothy, as you now lead others, and we saw last week Timothy's charge is not only to instruct the people who stand before him, but to find those who will be faithful in service to equip them so they'll equip others and they'll equip others. So he, he's setting forth the form in which they are going. I'm getting kind of nervous. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm a man. I'm going to do one thing at one time. I'm really, I'm really trying here. Okay, good. <laughs> she should have said that, yeah. Okay. Hey. Don't look too closely, but I think it's all there. Okay. So. This is the fun part. This is where you take off the pattern, and you see what you got. <laughs> I'm really nervous about this. Okay. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Oh, good. We, we can dress at least half a little doll or something. Okay. So the idea was you would make another one of these, and you sew them together, and you would have an outfit uh, fit for a very small queen. So um, this is the work. This is the work. 
There is a pattern that has been given to the people of God that is to be passed around from place to place to generation to generation. And it is a, a pattern that does not change. It is the same pattern in every generation to all people. It doesn't change. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, take that pattern, pass it down to others, let them use the same thing. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to find those who will be faithful to that calling and who will handle, who will cut straight. We're looking for folks who are going to cut straight. So people of God, the Word of God is important. These basic truths are paramount for faith and life and liberty and joy in our Lord. And so we need to get them right, and we need to be particular to the details to know what we ought to be arguing about. So, Paul is saying, follow this way, Timothy. Use this as an example. Follow this kind of teaching. Because these truths have consequences in our lives. If, this, if these truths are real, if, he died with, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If Jesus is risen from the dead, the offspring of David, that means that Jesus is God. He is a real person. He suffered. God suffered on our behalf. He has the power to forgive sins. He has the power of resurrection. There is hope. There is a right way. We can live victoriously, and we are accountable. We must walk in the way of Christ. We must similarly live a life of sacrifice. We are to remember these things all the time, not because we don't have anything else to say, but because this is the foundation. This is the pattern in which we live our lives. Now, as we start our gospel community groups, we will be rehearsing these truths over and over again. It's not because we don't have anything else to say. It's because it's the truth. And we are always taking our life and overlaying this pattern and saying, how does my life now conform? How does the material conform to the pattern? So we're going to, Lord willing, I pray, we're going to get really good at this. Because this becomes the foundation for our lives. It's how we live our lives. It's how we live in community. It is how we even counsel. We bring people back to these beginnings, these truths, and we ask these questions. How does, how does the Word of God, what is the root of your problem? It, are you conforming to the Word of God? What does the Word of God say about how you have these split ends that are off to the side here that need to be trimmed? What is he saying about that? What is he saying about you? What is it saying about, what does the Word of God say about who he is? And we're able then to understand why, where our lives have gone wrong, where we need to come back to confession, where we need to come back to exaltation and, and, and praise him and thank him for who we are in him to understand our identity. So we come back to those truths. They are the foundation in which we do our counseling, in which we live our lives. There's a problem in Ephesus. The problem is there are some who believe the resurrection has already occurred. And what they're really saying, now, I hope they get, not to get too technical here, but I think it, it's going to matter for us in just a minute. What they're saying is that really, when Paul is saying that Jesus resurrected, it's allegory. Allegory is an extended metaphor. It's like saying... We use, use similes, right? It's 
what they're saying is it's like Jesus resurrected from the dead. He didn't actually. It's a it's an extended metaphor. It's an allegory. He didn't actually raise from the dead, but that's the effect. They don't believe that you can raise from the dead because they don't believe in the miraculous. Or they don't believe it's even necessary. Some would not even believe it was necessary to raise from the dead because they believe the physical is evil. And the only thing that really counts is the spiritual or the mental. And so Jesus need not resurrect because there's nothing good about the body anyway. And so they deny the body. They, they have a dualistic version of the world. And so what they've done, this is going to kill some of you, they have taken that pattern. And made it something else, right? And, and now when you try to make something of this distorted pattern, you are going to get terrible results. And that is what's happening in this place. There's a, an African ver- a proverb that says, if you want to know the end, look at the beginning. If you want to know the end, look at the beginning. And so when you have a, a view of Scripture, you have an interpretation, when you, have, uh, when you deny what the Word of God says, you have changed the form, and the results will be disastrous. And this is exactly what's happening in Ephesus, and that is exactly what happens today. They had a, a dualistic version of the world. They believed that the flesh was evil. They didn't see the flesh and the spirit as one thing. They denied the resurrection. And because they believed that, they had, to, they had to deny the resurrection. The real issue was a foundational philosophy that was anti-Scripture, anti-God. It did not cling to the truths of God. And today we have a dualistic thought as well. Uh, you've seen it. Uh, in fact, uh, we even had... a. a, a uh, we, we, we read through this book, uh, gosh, Love Thy Body. And we see that in our present day, there is this du- dualistic thought that says, I can think one thing even if physically it's different. So that's why we have transgender issues and we have, the, uh, we have, uh, we have questions about L- LBGTQ plus and, and because there is a dualistic thought there that says, I have a, I believe something different than what is actually there. And so we have a wrong thinking, we have a wrong form, and it leads to disastrous ends. Christians, be careful about being drawn into so many arguments without considering the pattern. What are we really arguing about here? What's the real problem? We, we oftentimes are 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 arguing about the, uh, what was the result of the mis-pattern. So go back and say, what is, what is really the problem here? Why are people believing this way? Why am I believing this way? And what needs to be corrected? Look in verses 20. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, 
ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents, opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Paul transitions from saying, I want you to have the right thinking about things. Now, how do you deal with those who have a different opinion? How do those, about those who oppose you? And he gives a negative example. He says, now there are, those, there are those in this house, in the house of God. There are some who are used the, the vessels are gold and silver, silver, and there are others that are, that are made for common use. And they are, oftentimes, they're discarded with their use. So once they're, you can think of a Walmart bag, right? So it, you use that sometimes as liner for your trash can, and then you throw the, the bag out as well. Because it's just, it's not even worth half a cent. You know, it's not worth anything to you. But then you have a, a beautiful vase that you keep separate, and your kids run around, and you're always wondering, they're afraid that they're going to bump the vase, right? So stop running the house because you can see the vase, because it's of great value to you. There are different kinds of vessels in the house. They are all in the house. But just because they are in the house, in the house of God in this sense, and the house of God is good, that doesn't mean that those vessels are good. And because of what is happening, because of, uh, because of Philetus and Hymenaeus, because of what they are doing in the church, God is still in control. Even though these guys are mouthing off, they're causing people to, to fall away, God is going to deal with them. He's going to correct them. And they will be separated from the church. And the hope is they'll be brought back. That's the last part. The hope is they'll be brought back. But for people to see this is not the way of God. These, these vessels, these are not for noble purposes. So be people of noble purposes. God is still in control. Even though there are those who will be in our church, there will be those who are in the church in general who fall away. There are those who will lead in different directions. There will be those who are not faithful, who don't cut a straight line. And we can become upset. We, can, we even have so many of our famous Christian leaders have fallen, haven't they? along the way. And I don't know about you, as those people fall, my heart falls too. Because we've hoped in them, and, and we've learned from them. And it's like, how can they be teaching this truth, and I can be listening and following, and have had such great experience, and then they fall away? Is it all for naught? The answer is no. That God is using even those who are made for this special purpose. The, those who are made for common use. Even their falling away is part of God's bigger picture. So take courage, brothers and sisters. It is going to happen. This is God's house. This is how it happens. It's happened with Timothy. It happened with Paul. And it happens today. Much more than we'd want it to happen. But take heart. God is still on his throne. He is still in charge. Then he says for you to he tells Timothy to flee youthful passions. We know that Timothy is a younger guy, and so these, Paul is wanting him not to be caught up in his youth, but to grow up a little bit. 
I love that there is a uh, Pastor E.V. Hill wh- who was at a preaching conference, and he was a, at this time a much older man. And so he had a bunch of young auditorium full of young preachers. And at the end, he took questions and answers. And he, one young man raised his hand. He said, yes. He jumped up and he says, what advice would you give to a young preacher in the ministry? And E.V. Hill said, I tell him to become an old preacher fast. <laughs> and I think that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. You need to grow up, and you need to grow up fast. <laughs> Flee these youthful des- passions, these youthful lusts. The better idea is the, the idea of desires. And you can think of these, what kind of, youth, what kind of desires or, or attitudes do you have when you are young in the faith, when you are just young in general. And so here's, here's some examples. Like, for young Christians, oftentimes there's an arrogance. Although you don't know very much, right? There is an arrogance. And there's an arrogance in part because we like to hear our own voice sometimes. We like to show other people what we know. Youthful desires. Sometimes... These youthful desires are shown in being argumentative. Now, when I say youthful, that doesn't mean that you have to be young in years to have this attitude. Or even young in the faith. Some of these youthful desires have continued to to be in us over many, many years. So this is a corrective for us today about being argumentative. Sometimes we like to, to uh, argue theology because we like verbal jousting, right? We just like to rough it up with each other. And Paul is saying, be careful of those youthful, immature desires. Sometimes we're argumentative because we got to be right. No matter what, we got to be right. Another reason, an- another way of, 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 the, of these youthful desires is impatience or harshness we become frustrated because someone else hasn't figured out this same truth that you figured out or figured out the way that you figured out and become impatient with them anybody anybody have those youthful passions yeah you know youthful desires okay i'm just gonna it's good to first have a little confession okay we become impatient with others. We become harsh. And I find, too, as we are discovering new things, new truths, and they come alive to us, we think everyone is ignorant if they don't know that same truth yet. Like, and we just figured it out. How, how foolish are we, right? I can't believe you guys aren't fasting. I just figured out fasting. You just figured out fasting. What are you talking about? You just, you just, the Spirit has been moving in you, now you're fasting, and now everyone has to fast. You don't understand why the church doesn't fast? Bunch of lack, lazy non-fasters. See, that's, that's youthful passions. Like, yes, fasting is important, but just because you discovered it doesn't mean everybody else is unrighteous. Amen? I had two donuts this morning, by the way. I just want to, I don't know, confession time. That's the reason why there weren't many donuts back there. All right, I had to get that off my chest. Instead, flee youthful passion. Instead of 
following these passions, we are to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace together. He concludes by saying, live by this pattern. And the hope is that as you live by this pattern, that your life will reflect the resurrection. It will reflect that we live in suffering. It will reflect that you can endure because Christ endured for us. You can continue in loving people because you saw how greatly you have been loved. If you, if you know that pattern, and if you cut it straight, then your life will reflect that. And there is a hope for those who disagree with you, for the ba- babblers, for the ones who cause gangrene to grow in the church. As much as that hurts our hearts, and as much as Timothy has to be upset and just want to hurt these men, there's this hope that once they are removed, that God would call them back and that we'd want them to, to, to live in the freedom in which we live in. And so that becomes a mature believer. Instead of just being frustrated by, I don't know why you think like that, why you're talking like that, to I want to know why you're thinking and talking like that, and I want to call you back. Be careful to get into all kinds of arguments with people about foolish things. Stop and say, what is the, what is the, the pattern in which they have, they're having a misunderstanding? And is there a way for me to help them get to that place to see how they contradict? As you are rightly handing the word of God, is there a way I can get them back to that so that they may be redeemed? Yeah. Instead of fighting, we look for redemption. Amen. I think that's a good word for us today. I'm thankful for the word to share with us and to be a corrective to us and to give us hope and call us to right cutting of the word. I want to encourage you, and, and uh, we say in September we have two classes on hermeneutics, how to rightly handle the word of God. So I want you to come to that. Part of their problem was they were treating something as allegory that wasn't allegory. It was a simple mistake, but a very devastating mistake. And we do want to do that as well. So let's come and study the Word of God together.